Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And you are listening to the Monday Morning Minute. And this week in fictional news, a new poll has been released on the fantasy subreddit, which asks its members to nominate their favorite standalone fantasy books. I wanted to read off the top 10 here for everyone real quick, and we'll put a link in the description for this episode for that full list if anyone wants to check it out. The uh, the fantasy subreddit isn't my number one go-to place for recommendations and stuff, but I do like it quite a bit. I've been on there for a long time. Uh, there's a lot of really decent discourse in there. For the amount of people, especially in that community, there's 3.6 million people on the fantasy subreddit. So wow. it's notable when a poll like this comes out. I'm always interested to see this kind of stuff. Not everybody votes, not 3.6 million votes or anything like that, but it is a lot of people uh, discussing this topic and I like to see the results. So I'm just going to read off a few of these. We can talk about a few of them. I did think that the list was pretty cool. It's a lot of stuff that I've read, but also some stuff I haven't. All right. Uh, in at number 10 is Tress of the Emerald Sea by Brandon Sanderson, which just came out uh, last year. As a standalone, it's really awesome. I know, Chad, you still haven't read it, but no. yeah, I, I think it's. I think if anybody's a big Sanderson fan, you haven't read the book, it's definitely worth your time. And I've actually had a few people ask me, like, if it's a good spot to start with Sanderson. I would argue, yeah. Like, I mean, if you're really? not trying to like, if you're not trying to like invest a bunch into the Cosmere, it's 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 more fun, I guess. Like, if you if you're already pretty familiar with the Cosmere, because there's like some nods to it. And stuff. Oh, but okay. I think it works pretty well as a standalone without having read any other Sanderson before. Um, but I mean, it's yeah. like a it's like an A to B story. It's I mean, Chad, I think you especially would like it because it's like sailing. You know, uh, they're on a they're on a ship for a long time. But yeah, the yeah. Uh, the ocean isn't what you think it is, though. Oh, how it's, it's very cool. Yeah, and it's for as far as like standalone Sanderson. That's kind of hard to because we read Warbreaker, mm -hmm. right? Which we I think kind of concluded that just there wasn't enough war wasn't enough breaking it was fine book but like wasn't my favorite i think i need to read warbreaker again i might like listen to it on audiobook or something in a few years and and give it the old college maybe like after our next stormlight read or something like that i have heard so many people say good things about it and that wasn't really my experience so i like the beginning and the end of warbreaker a lot but yeah. not the middle. I think that's kind of now that I've had a lot of time to think about it. But I liked all of Trust of the Emerald Sea. So in at number 10, even as a new book, that, that totally makes sense. Number nine, The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison. I have definitely very much pushed this book on all of my social media accounts. It's really, really good. I have it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's an awesome book. Like it's it's confusing because the names are so weird. But that's like the point is because it's like the main character is really confused about his place. It's just like I a fish out of water story. In the middle. Goblin Emperor is solid. Um, it's a very good kind of like you can finish it in a weekend kind of book. Uh, the main character is really awesome, too. I think at number nine, uh, this entire list actually makes a lot of sense. Cersei by Madeline Miller. I think this one probably is the book on this list that this is number eight. This is probably the one that I like the least of any of the ones that I've read on this list. I don't think it's bad or anything, but I think I had read it hot off the heels of Song of Achilles, which is, in my opinion, like one of the most correctly hyped books ever it's so so mm. so book good. talk was freaking out over madeline I miller for a long song time of achilles. song of achilles is one hundred thousand percent worth the hype you should read it chad everybody should read it it's a really good book cersei it just it just wasn't my my bag i i finished it i thought it was interesting there were certainly like actually actually a couple really really cool parts of cersei that i <laughs> liked a lot but yeah, i don't know it's just kind of slow to get where it was going and by the time it got there i was just like meh but I don't know. I know a little. I think there's like a there's like a Song of Achilles camp or a Cersei camp, you know, and I'm in I'm very solid in the Song of Achilles camp personally. 
that's a pretty common thing that you find on the readers out there is people either tend to really gravitate towards Circe or really gravitate towards Song of Achilles. And I've heard very few reviews of people being like, ah, both are fine. It's usually exactly what you said. One is like amazing. And the other one's like, ah, it wasn't for me. (laughs) I think that uh, people feel like that with uh, Sarah J. Moss stuff too, or except for like, you know, obviously her hardcore fans. But with a lot of the discourse that I've seen around me saying that I'm reading Throne of Glass, a lot of people say like, oh, I like Throne of Glass way more than A Court of Thorns and Roses and then vice versa too. Just depends on what you're looking for. Uh, Number seven here. Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell by Susanna Clark. I have not read this. It's very, very long. And mm-hmm. I've heard that it's a it's an extremely rewarding book to read. But I've tried it like six times. And I, I always get like 30, 40 pages into it. And I'm just like, this is it's kind of dry. And it's very charming. And it's like kind of a, a cool like period piece kind of book for sure. That's what happens to me every time I uh, start Infinite Jest. I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finally yeah. read Infinite Jest. And I get 30 pages in and I'm like, ah, not today. Wow, that's actually not a bad comparison. I actually, I feel like Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell is like the infinite jest of uh, <laughs> standalone fantasy books. And not, not necessarily series, but standalone fantasy books where it's like, I know that it's good and people like it. I'd, right, <laughs> I know, I know it's, it's like written by a really good author. Held to high acclaim. Yeah, it's not just like one of those giant books. Um, but one day uh, I'll read Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. It's on my shelf here. But one number day seven, I'll read Infinite Jest. Uh, Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. This is another one that I read. Uh, actually, I think I DNF'd this one because uh, I had read Uprooted uh, and I liked Uprooted. And the Spinning Silver, the people told me it was like necessary to read Spinning Silver if you really liked Uprooted. And uh, yeah, it just didn't, I don't know, it's just like snowy and dreary and slow. And um, I think it's just one of those books that um, if you're in the right mood for it, it's really, really awesome. And it's people like how slow and vibey it is. Uh, the writing's really good. I mean, Naomi Novik is a really good writer. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I couldn't, I honestly <laughs> couldn't really tell you what it was. <laughs> it's like a girl living with her family um, in the forest, snowy, snowy forest, and like some like, snow god is like mad at her or something i don't know huh. it's kind of giving me like winter uh winter night vibes but i mean that's all, sure, all we got is like family yeah. living in the forest with like a god yeah. involved <laughs> uh but yeah i mean spinning silver uh if, if you're uh if you again it's kind of like one of those if you got a weekend with nothing to do and you want something with some some hard vibes to it then spinning silver is pretty cool uh number five project hail mary which chad you would love so much that's such an awesome book. It's the same author that wrote The Martian, Andy Weir. When uh, Evan Project says Mary. that phrase but, with that conviction, Chad, you would love yeah, that so much. It's like it's no a, thought, that's a Chad he just book. jumps into it. It's just like, man, I know that, that that's yeah. going to be the book no, that I love. I'm putting Project it in my Hail notes Mary folder right now. such a Chad book. Like you're going to nerd out so hard on it. Like Hell yeah. I feel like you and Andy Weir, I, would, I wouldn't be able to separate you guys at a party. <laughs> you know? That means he's um, getting an email. Come on, the podcast, Andy Weir. Yeah, he's, he's probably pretty cool. But um, Project Hail Mary, for our listeners who don't know what that book is, uh, it is about a man who goes on a solo solo mission to uh, deal with a problem out in space. Um, and it's, it's just, it's so charming. Uh, Andy Weir is such a dork, and he's, I love it. And he's also, like, in, insanely smart. And, you know, a lot of the uh, science that he's talking about was over my head. I don't know if it'd be over yours, Chad, but... Yeah, it's just a really good book. Not it's super science Number four, Sword of Kaigen by M.L. Wang. Ooh, which, nice. Yeah, like, I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's such amazing. a good book. Yeah, we've, we've sung its praises. We've uh, we read it for the Patreon. You said what I think is the best descriptor for it, and I'm just going to keep on using it. It's just like an anime in book form. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's so I've heard that that's how Cradle, Cradle is, too. We'll see. Oh, really? Uh, or maybe we won't see. I don't know. I'm not promising anything. <laughs> uh, number three, we got Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. I haven't read this. I've, I, this is another one that I tried um, a, a while ago, and I think I got like 30, 40 pages into it and dropped it, which is weird because it's so well-regarded, you know? Totally. Um, they made a show out of it. Did you watch the show? I feel like you watch a lot of TV. I did watch the show. I loved the show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the show is so good. It. It's just like, it's like cheeky and uh, it, it's very lighthearted and like a really good story of like friendship. It's just the friendship happens to be between like a demon and an angel. And they're like little tiffs. I, I, it was just like cute and very, very well done. Anything that Neil Gaiman has his hand on or in or around or just like he breathes yeah, on as he walks by, quality. it's just going to be quality. Like even the intro is one of my favorite intro, like songs and like the little like animation, really? which oh, is really man. cool. Yeah, really, what's really it, cool. What's it on? Stuff. Is it on Hulu? Amazon? I think it's on Amazon. Or is it Apple? <laughs> There's so many freaking streaming platforms, man. Ugh. I like forget about Apple TV, but there's like quite a few really good shows on Apple TV. But what's this one on? It's available on Amazon Prime. Hey, okay, I can watch that. Yeah. All right, maybe I'll check it out. Uh, then number two, we have The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. I don't oh, know if wow. any of you ever, ever heard of that uh, that book or that author. Yeah, before. kind of a little underrated. Yeah, it's a it's a definite diamond in the rough book for anybody uh, looking for something a little more obscure. Yeah, you might uh, have and then number one, <laughs> number one is another <laughs> Susanna Clark book, which is Perinessi. Pretty awesome. It had 92 votes over 65 for The Hobbit. Wow. In, in a landslide victory, Piranesi. I really like Piranesi. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if it's like my number one uh, standalone book, but I mean, yeah, you can read it in a day and it's really good. Like, it's a fucking awesome book. I mean, it's mysterious. It's, uh, it's, it's you can feel like a certain like aesthetic from it, even though it's not very long. It's not over descriptive or anything, but you just have like a, such a good sense of place when you're reading it. The main character is really cool. The central kind of like what is going on feeling from this book is really unique and really almost it's like eerie. Like it's not scary or anything, but you, it's just like it doesn't feel right. Like kind of from the moment you start reading it, but in like a really interesting and cool way because the main character is so compelling it's an awesome book yeah can you spell that for me p-i-r-a-n-e-s-i thank you uh so those are the top 10 for reddit's uh 2024 top standalone novel poll and again we'll put the link in the description for anybody that wants to go check out it's like a i don't know it's like 50 something 60 something books in here and uh i don't know standalones are just really nice to know about because don't get me wrong. I love a series. I know Chad loves a series. I know you listening. You probably love a series, but sometimes you just want to like dip into a fantasy world and get like a nice kind of first, second, third act and kind of just be done with it for a little while. And you don't want to commit to 11 books over the course of six months of you reading while you're reading other stuff. And uh, yeah, I just really appreciate a solid standalone book. You know, I used to not be that way. I used to always just be like, yeah. 10 books are nothing, man. Like, I'm not interested unless you could kill someone by dropping the series on them from a two-story building. But now, like, man, especially because, you know, I make content around books, so it's nice to be able to get through one. But more than that, I think it's just a really cool medium to see because there's like different focuses, right? There's like not as much yeah. time can be spent on certain things. And so it kind of like just almost definitionally shapes the story into a little bit more linear. Unless of course we're talking about the slow regard of sound things and it's just all over the place. But yeah, I, I really like the kind of punchy snappy, like um, Brandon Sanderson's emperor's soul. 
soul. Thank yeah, you. You're right there. Uh, so close. So close. Uh, man, that one is like the perfect example of what I'm talking about. This like punchy little like tells you what the world's about only enough to make you kind of wet your whistle. And you're like, man, I really want more of this world. Yeah. Love the format. Um, so that is the fantasy news. I got a little fantasy news for you. Nothing huge, but I wanted to throw it out there. I was watching a uh, Sarah J. Moss interview. Oh, cool. And she said that the next book that she produces and publishes or whatever the right term for it is, is uh, will be an Akatar book. Oh, Akatar yeah. Cause I know she's been doing like Crescent six. city for a little while. And uh, so yeah. yeah, this will be the Akatar number six. She has not announced technically like technically it's Akatar five because I think that uh, 5. Frost 5. and Starlight is like, yeah, considered a 0.5 or whatever. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I would call it Agatar 6, personally, but... Yeah, I mean, it's a full yeah. book. It's just, like, a tiny little one that's all about, like... I like Frost and Starlight. Yeah, I think it's Sarah pretty Jim good. Sarah loves her Christmas season. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm going like to talk it. about it more when we, talk, when we do our <laughs> we Throne of Glass Throne episode. Of Glass. <laughs> but I've got some notes, and I'm like, Sarah J. Moss, I'm pretty sure, is, like, a Christmas-aholic. You know, she Fucking loves Christmas. Yulemas. Yulemas? I know, dude. What a, she didn't even try hard. Like, Yulemas? Come on. <laughs> dude, that's so funny. Hmm. There what goes that What we call the Christmas holiday? <laughs> you hmm. nailed it. <laughs> Yulemas? <laughs> Oh boy, Sarah, we know you're listening. Oh, that's this, yeah. And, uh, we know you're listening, and we, and we love that you are. But we're still gonna make fun of you on this. Uh, so yeah, what uh, what do you think it's gonna be on? There's like a lot of oh yeah. Um, I think it'll be guessing another, going on. I think it'll be another. Uh, it'll be another Nesta book. I think you think so? Because yeah, we haven't had any Elaine juice, and I would love me some Elaine. But it's only been one Nesta book, so that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think true. it'll be another Nesta book, and then maybe another an Elaine book after that. But I would love one from one of the the guys' perspectives. I think that'd be Ooh. really cool, like an Azrael book, or yeah, the, I think our Cassian book. She did mention wanting to expound upon the Azrael storyline a little bit, so. Maybe I think he's like the most forgotten about char- character with the most potential. Besides Lysander. Oh, oh and then also Lysander. I think you mean Not Lucian. Lysander. Lucian, thank you. I'm just stuck yeah. in Red Rising mode. I was like, yeah. when I said it, I was like, wow, I'm surprised I remembered that. And then I was like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember it. Sorry, yeah, Lucian uh, would be pretty interesting too. Gnashing actually. their teeth all over the world. <laughs> I think we did pretty Lucian. good for not having read that series for a year and a half. Yeah, that's true. Dude, Lucian, I just loved him. I fell in love yeah, with the character, Lucian's and then he cool. just gets like done dirty, or he doesn't get done dirty. He just gets done nothing. Not a lot. I think. Mean, I think that there's definitely a part towards the end of the f- the fifth book where I was like, oh, cool. But yeah, no, I, I know what yeah, you mean. Like not I think we had a long a conversation party about or something. That's <laughs> <laughs> a week. Oh, well, that's good news. Uh, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's good to see that 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 series is gonna is gonna carry on. Totally. And Sarah J. Moss, if you ever get a chance to watch the the interview, and I think it's fairly recent, you can go on YouTube and just type in like Sarah J. Moss interview and she's wearing like a little checkered uh, jacket and she's just an adorable person. Like it's no wonder that her books are so like vibey and fun and catchy and just like easy to read. She's an easy person to listen to because you can tell she does what she loves and she's super into it still. And she's just like so thankful for everything. And it's lovely to watch someone who's like at the top of their game, who's just full of gratitude, you know? That's awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool to have her on, but yeah, it was. she's probably a little busy for us. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. yeah. She Maybe was we'll very nice in her response email the first time I asked, but it was like the sixth month or something that we had been doing this podcast, and she was sure. like, kindly, you are not large enough yet. But I mean, we are. <laughs> we have grown in, in girth and length, so uh, uh, oh my that God. was way more sexual than I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> We're a lot bigger. We're a lot bigger of a podcast now. <laughs> we're a, we're a grower, not a shower podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> what, what I what I did this on uh, my summer vacation. Uh, what I did this week, uh, I finished uh, Lightbringer by Pierce Brown. Nice. Yeah, that was a doozy of a book. Yeah, that was Oof. a lot. We'll do the episode, and then we're finally finished with Red Rising. That was a that was a weight hanging around our neck for a while. Because I honestly yeah, like, yeah, I mean, like those the Iron Gold and Dark Age for me, and I think for you, Chad, womp, too, womp, just womp. just um not not super awesome in my opinion. I mean, still good books, obviously. Yeah, Lightbringer was just such a breath of fresh air. Gulps of fre- yeah. fresh air, like right from the get go. It for some reason it like it captivated that like da da that triumphant epicness that is so like prevalent in the first three books. It's just like everywhere. It's like foundational to like the feel of the books, like the the brand of them, you know. And then I kind of totally. felt they were missing in the last two, and now it is back in full force and just epic speeches. Great, great, great. Yeah, great, I mean, great. like I think. If I'm really putting on like my inspector goggles on this book, uh, Lightbringer, and not to spoil anything for anybody, but I, I feel like Pierce Brown kind of ditched a couple of storylines that I was definitely, and if you're listening and you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. And I think he did it um, on purpose. I think maybe he'll revisit kind of like what with uh, like with, uh, George R. R. Martin did with Feast for Crows and Dance with Dragons, where he kind of was like, okay, this is getting a little too big for its britches. I kind of need to like move over and just deal right. with this stuff for Let's this take book. this big um, newton chomp chomp never mentioned yeah. again great yeah there were a couple of things where i was like oh wow you kind of <laughs> like really built that up in the book before this and we're just not going to talk <laughs> yeah. about it at all okay like that's cool but eh, he but does that though he does he <laughs> we're gonna talk about if we're gonna have a pretty long episode <laughs> it's gonna be <laughs> about Lightbringer, but that'll come out later this week everybody um these episodes for the red rising books just take a lot of prep and a lot of notes and stuff yeah. so uh, we're getting that out as fast as we possibly can i'm really excited to end on like a happy note though because if we would ended with on the last one like i know i kind of ripped it to pieces a little Not bit just happy. like <laughs> drowning for hope i mean no no, no. the it's story is happy like... it's happy for me personally because sure, i liked yeah. it you know and we're done and so, too yeah yeah i, yeah. I just on. needed something that reminded me because i don't want to walk away from red rising a series that i love like the first three are amazing books and i just didn't yeah. want to walk away with the uh dark age taste in my mouth so i've got lightbringer <laughs> in there and I'm, I'm tasting it uh i also finished uh throne of glass the first throne of glass book and we're gonna have an episode on that uh, on wednesday nice thoughts on throne of glass uh i think we're gonna obviously keep a lot of those thoughts for the episode i really liked the beginning of it and i thought the end was pretty cool I didn't like the middle very much, like at all. Right. Like, <laughs> contest, she's an assassin. Contest, she's an assassin. <laughs> like, that's pretty much it. I think it started really picking up for me. Um, there's a, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is a part where the world building and like the history and just kind of like what the book is, what the series looks like it's going to be about kind of like reared its head. And I was like, okay, cool. Here we go. And, but it's just like, <laughs> like the parts like before that after the really cool beginning which i was like very locked in and i was like cool awesome premise i'm here for it and then it was just kind of like all right have you ever been inside of a glass castle before right like sometimes you We're can tell it's a 16 it. year old like writing her wet dream you know maybe i mean like but like if this i mean it's kind of like with paulini where it's just like bam i mean if this was written by a teenager like this just reads pretty well like this is yeah. pretty awesome you know what i mean like definitely somebody i'm sure it's been edited and like, a lot of time went by and stuff and it's been gone over a million times but um obviously moss just had a talent for writing from a very young age um i think she was <laughs> okay if i'm wrong about this and it's just something i read on the internet somebody correct me but i read that she was she got into writing because she was writing a, a sailor moon uh fan fiction <laughs> <That's> <laughs> fantastic is, this is so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. I know that uh, in the interview that I was listening to, she talked about how 
she was like not doing super great in school and then the teacher just like took her parents and were like go take her to a bookstore and just have her pick out like whatever she wants and just let her go that's cool and then they did that i forget which books that she picked out but they were famous and we would all recognize them but uh, and then she just like fell in love with that and because she was able to like choose it and had some like autonomy there it kind of helped cement that her love for books you know I think one of the influences was um, Garth Nix, the uh, Old Kingdom series, like Savriel and, and then like those books that we were, we were planning on reading actually at some point on the podcast. But and there is like kind of like a magical barrier actually in that series from what mm. I remember of it. So um, I wonder if she got that inspiration from that. But yeah, I mean, like Throne of Glass, uh, I liked it more than I was planning on, um, but I also in a way kind of liked it less than i was planning i don't know i know that's kind of like confusing like i but really understand that i think that i'm still really excited to read the rest of these because i've heard that the series like really picks up from the first book and that the first book is kind of like just not quite like representative it's kind of like with um the gunslinger and like the rest of the dark tower you know where it's like the gunslinger is kind of like this cool it needs to be there it's very crucial to understanding yeah it's very crucial but it's like yeah, it kind of hits its stride afterwards. So I've got the second book here. I think it's called Crown of Midnight or something. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited to read these. Uh, also, I'm uh, reading Dead House Gates. Uh, obviously, we're always reading Hell miles yeah. on. Uh, we just put out our first Dead House Gates episode. Dead House Gates is amazing. It's so it's good. Like, it's it's just, there's nothing else to really say about it. It's just so freaking good. It's just such an awesome book. I don't know if it was for a Monday Morning Minute episode or if it was for one of our Malazan ones, but we were talking up Deadhouse Gates and I was like, oh, can I give a little teaser summary? And I'm just like, I don't remember exactly what I said during that summary, but it was very right. And I was like kind of uncertain going into yeah, it. Yeah, no, totally. And I remember that I was reading it and I was like, oh, Chad was totally right about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I thought that too. I was like, <laughs> dude, synopsis. I'm super right. I love this. Go memory. So cool. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's move on a little bit more because uh, we don't have to just talk about Malazan every time we do this episode. Yeah, it's so. true. But man, I, I'm not reading it with this. It. What are you doing? It, it's so good. Uh, okay, so uh, also I watched a movie that I haven't seen in a long time. I showed it to Effie. Uh, it was The Secret of Nim, which is like an early 80s uh, Don Bluth movie. Uh, I forgot how trippy that movie is. <laughs> if anybody's curious about what it is, it's based on a uh, early 70s book called Mrs. Brisby and the Rats of Nim. And it's kind of like, I don't know, it's like Redwall on Mescaline. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just <laughs> such a weird movie. Uh, I think it, I've it seen is, this. It is really good. Like, uh, it's I definitely have seen this. But it's just like Don Bluth movies are just kind of creepy. I'm like, creepy. I don't know if, if anybody doesn't know who Don Bluth is. Uh, I think he was he was a Disney animator for a while, and then I think that he kind of like split from Disney due to like some artistic direction issues that he was having. Which They're I like, guess you're scaring all the children. I do like, yeah, exactly. I was just about to say like, <laughs> unless his artistic yeah his, his artistic vision was like, let's make this trippy and weird. But uh, he also made um, like All Dogs Go to Heaven. He made Rockadoodle, which is not not awesome. I tried watching Rockadoodle actually. I was like, this is freaking weird. Uh, and then he made like he made Titan AE though. That's a pretty good oh, movie. It's pretty good. Love Solid. Titan, dude! What a yeah, soundtrack! Yeah. What a soundtrack! Oh yeah, that's that's the year two thousand in, in a in a capsule for you if you ever want to I swallow that. Forgot uh, about Titan a, AE, and I remembered it like two months ago, and I just listened to the soundtrack that entire day, and it was fantastic. <laughs> it's a good movie so good he, he did the land before time with uh steven spielberg um thumbelina dude <laughs> it's just a really weird classic movie. anastasia uh but yeah so it was just cool kind of like revisiting that because i hadn't seen it in a while and just like it's just funny how like 
the animation is so smooth and like very pretty just like disney but there's just like such a weird hard edge to don bluth movies too Mm -hmm. it's just like it's like if uh it's like if disney is target then like don bluth is kmart you know it's just (laughs) it's just like it's like yeah there's there's still the same function but i just feel more comfortable in a target yeah you know know, like ai faces or not AI faces ai hands as of like two months ago i think they've probably fixed the problem because ai is just getting way better at everything but like there was a period a solid like two to three months where every ai photo you could tell was ai by looking at the hands because they would have like 16 fingers sure, all like totally. interwoven like spaghetti noodles and like a thumb coming off the wrong side <laughs> and it just looked like crazy um and it's kind of like that like the, it's like a it's not and, the anime isn't messed up but it's like tweaked in a way that's like uncanny valley you know where you're just like Ugh. i feel like that uh that's the thing that's why um pixar movies look the way that they do in like dream dreamworks movies and stuff like that oh really because apparently if you get something that looks too much like a human but it's not a human it looks weirder than something that's obviously not a human oh, that's what uncanny valley is right yeah totally exactly so yeah, it's, it's weird how animation can subtly make you feel like more creeped out or just uncomfortable because there's like some like visuals and some of those Don Bluth movies that I feel like if Disney handled it like Disney's very like curvy they do a lot of round yeah uh, very loopy like, and flowy yeah they're very loopy yeah but the Don Bluth movies I feel like are a little more angular and so because of that yeah so because of that they just look a little different they, they're a little like off-putting maybe if you've like grown up watching Disney movies totally, uh, totally. Disney definitely has like its own thing but that, that was uh, that was my week i did a lot of writing a lot of reading yeah i uh, i still have news i'm sitting on <laughs> that I, can't, <laughs> I can't say anything about well we thought it was going to be january news but it's looking like it's going to be february news yeah I guys it's february news <laughs> boys and girls uh, anyway let's do uh sue you and then we got a we have a fictional fun fact later too actually so oh cool cool yeah. man i was looking through some of my notes just trying to clean up some of my google drives because i just have too many and they're too organized you know it's like sometimes the, you can you can over organize um categorical things where you try to make categories for things but certain categories have crossovers you know it's like, like a google folder and a maps folder like where does a google maps go so i was trying to clean up some of my organization on my google drives and i found like a list of unused fun facts that i like had put some effort into that i totally totally forgot even existed but they were like scripted out they're pretty good so we'll have to uh, bring some of those out too. I won't do them this week just because I'm sure my notes need some love. But uh, you got me excited with the fun fact, bringing it back oh, cool. to our roots. And I've Let's got some uh, I got some ones that we can throw in there too in the later episodes. So my week was very similar to yours as uh, is, as as is going to be kind of just the way it is for a f- couple weeks until we kind of get our 2024 pants uh, fully on and fully like striding. You know, we kind of clean oh, we're up striding, some though. We're 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 churning through on <laughs> and we're churning through uh throwing a glass. I mean, we're we're right on schedule. Actually, I'm actually pretty impressed. We're doing pretty good. Yeah, like, we really are. See, we can keep it up. You know. Um. Okay. So I finished Lightbringer as we already talked about it. I'm just stoked to have it done. I'm really stoked to end it on a high note, and I'm stoked to talk about it with you. That's all I'll say now. But make sure you go listen to our episode because uh, if you listen to Dark Age, give me the chance to pull it up from that so you can be. <laughs> we had a few so people like, that hey, were like, Chad "Damn, Chad this. freaking hated this." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I kind of ripped into it. We, I mean. <laughs> I think more than Even anything, we like, got geez, we got into like a disagreement, and I think it what they were really hearing was our both inclinations towards being right, 
and so we uh, were vehement in our positions and perhaps maybe sure. more more stalwart than we needed to be um though you know, anyway i won't <laughs> open that can of worms <laughs> that dark depressing can of worms <laughs> i finished uh throwing a glass love it listen to the episode that we have on it coming is the entire castle made of glass no there's like a top portion of it that's okay. much bigger than the bottom portion but the bottom portion is like an older castle which um is pretty intriguing for sure actually i kind of want to know more about like what's I'm going on with this kind of jealous that you said that you have like an idea about like the whole story of what it's going to shape like because i super don't oh really yeah i mean no, I mean, not I really i think i have an idea of like more of the history and like what maybe the central issue could be and we'll okay. talk about that on the episode um but okay, yeah it cool. was definitely it kind of felt a little bit like little tossed in at the end like oh i can make a series out of this right akatar you know I mean? <laughs> everything's all buttoned up and all of a sudden whoa, except it's no super it's unbuttoned. not <laughs> yeah whatever i'm into it yeah what well, i'm totally okay with that more content in the places uh that i love from the authors that i love i'm always gonna be okay with that uh, i am also about halfway through dead house gates and the more we read malazan the more i'm just excited to keep talking about it because i just really feel like my memory kicking into gear and it's like i was so right 13 years ago when I was reading those books and I was like, I'm really going to love the second read through of these, not knowing that I was going to have you and all of our lovely listeners to read it with uh, at the time. So there's a lot of reasons why it's better. But man, I just my comprehension is so much higher. And as such, I'm really, really enjoying it. And then the new thing I started last week, I mentioned Earthsea that I was like 30 pages into it. Oh, yeah. And then after last week's uh, Monday episode, I edited it and then I just started reading it and then I just read it all the way through. And granted, that was like four in the morning when I started oh, reading wow. it. And I just oh like read gosh. it till like noon and just killed it. Whoa. And then I went what to sleep. What do you think? Let's hear your thoughts. I mean, obviously yeah. you liked it if you're going to stay up and not sleep. You like sleeping. I do like I, sleeping. I I do. Like Actually, sleep. I'm not a big sleeper. Really? You sleep whenever I text you. I, well, yeah, because, you know, I'm, I'm a big night guy, but I really have like a um, like a can. I'm not in insomnia. I'm not in. Ins, how do I even say that? I'm not in ins, in ins, insomniac. Wow, you are. Really, wow, that's hard to you, say. You can get through this. We can get through. This I'm together. not an insomniac, but I really dislike being asleep because I really like being alive and awake and I can't <laughs> do things while I'm sleeping. Right. It's like super boring and kind of. What an like, inconvenience. Okay, yeah, I was wrong. You don't like huge sleeping. inconvenience. Uh, you just catch me because I don't like sleep. And so I'm always pushing myself to be up in the middle of the night. And then when you're like a regular person is up and awake, you're trying to get a hold of me. That's when I'm sleeping. You know, if I could like be granted like kind of a lame wish, like not like flight or like some super sweet power, but like kind of a lame one, I would definitely pick like not having having the option to not sleep. That would be great. I'd be really happy to have that power, too, as long as it didn't make me crazy because like you know what i mean like as long as everything oh, totally. you, you just felt the same all the time you know because yeah yeah you don't start uh, seeing stuff out of the corner of your eyes and like, like get really paranoid. there's a difference between you like physically not needing to sleep and mentally needing to you know what i mean yeah. oh and that's why i say like i'd like the option to not be able to but some days you need a reset you know like some days some things happen and you just like okay i need to be unconscious for a little bit and like wake up anew sure. you know yeah no, that's, that's a, a so i don't want to remove like, that ability but i feel like Nine times out of ten, I would just be up all night. Like, I want to say I'd be like learning languages while all you plebes uh, were sleeping, <laughs> but that's really fonts not on true. Your graphic design. Dude, that is exactly correct. <laughs> I would be drowning in thirty thousand different fonts. <laughs> oh my gosh! Let's go Dude. back to uh, what are we talking about? Earthsea. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Just okay, one, one more thing on fonts. Oh, sure, no. yeah, if you yeah. ever want to get into some really cool history, look up like the history of fonts. Really interesting stuff. My favorite font is Lexend, by the way, which I won't give the reasons for right now for the sake of time. But um, there's some really legit reasons and it's pretty cool. So they'll leave a little Easter egg hint. <laughs> <laughs> sure. People are running to their computers. Lexend. Oh, wow. Chad's favorite Chad font. <laughs> Earthsea. Okay. All the way back here. Okay. It reminded me of that Stephen King book that you had me read. The first one that you had oh, me read. Eyes of the Dragon. Eyes of the Dragon. Really? It's, it's a little, how do I even put it? It's like not a very intimate book. Like you're not really up, like the narrator isn't real close to the main character. You're kind of back far from it and just talking about sure. the like life and times of this person. And it was read. It feels in, more omniscient. Yeah. Yeah. It feels more omniscient. And it has this kind of like. It's not written in old English, but it kind of has that old school feel to it. Like it, it reminded me of a fantasy book from the 80s. I think it was written in like the late 60s, right? Is oh, that really? Wow. I, I, I believe idea. so. I could be wrong. We're early 70s or something like that. It had, I mean, it was so different than a normal fantasy novel because like you normally have like a problem gets introduced and then over the course of the book, we like fix it or we grow and th that all happened. But it was very much like it happened amidst the life of this character like we i won't yeah. spoil anything but we cover many many years of this character's life do we do you know if we ever come back to that character is there any more books written from geds i don't know i haven't read all of the Earthsea books uh, i've only read this one in tombs of achuan uh, oh, okay i haven't read farthest shore to hanu yeah i mean for anybody listening that hasn't read Earthsea, without spoiling too much uh it's essentially about a child wizard who has a he's like an apprentice to a much smarter wizard a much more wise wizard and uh, he gets left alone for just a second and uh, wouldn't you know it he unleashes some kind of horrible shadow he looks thing. in the bad book he's just just not supposed to just don't he did the thing he's not supposed to do which was creepy as hell by the way what a scene and then the rest of the book is you know there's a lot of other things happening with it obviously but a lot of the book is just like what he's doing while kind of having this thing kind of chasing him you know what i mean yeah, like just, just kind of being an, it's being an issue you know, uh, it's and so you can pull a lot from this little book. There's so much meaning in it. It's such so a beautiful book, man. Ursula Le Guin. Was that your first Ursula Le Guin book? It's my very first. Yeah, she, she's she's a legend. I feel like I started high because man, I really enjoyed it. And like his, he gets and throughout his wizarding, you know, I, I really thought like, oh, it's a school trope, and it is, but it's not like we're going oh, to for, school not for long. here, like not for long. Yeah, and he gets, uh, let's just say, powerful enough to maybe make some pride-based decisions that exacerbates the whole haunting problem that he kind of has that wasn't really a big problem in his life and it kind of brings that to the fore and he's really got to deal with it and the adventure he goes on to deal with it uh was just filled with meaning and like you can tell ursula Le Guin is like a like lived a full life and made a lot of mistakes and had a lot of like loved deeply. Like you can just tell she, that that was written by someone who had a lot of life under their belt. I think Ursula Le Guin is a literary genius personally. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I think she's like one of the best writers of all time. And I, I think like a lot of her books aren't like this kind of more conventional fantasy, but I wouldn't even call that conventional fantasy. I, 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 but I mean, I just mean in the sense of like, Magic and dragons and oh, oh, secondary, sure, sure. secondary world and stuff like that. But she has I, a lot I agree of sci-fi. Right? I agree with what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's like speculative fiction, sci-fi, okay, um, stuff like that. But yeah, it it really is just such an amazing book. I'm so happy you read it, man. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. It was 
I and I recommend reading it in one sitting if life permits for anyone. It was just like, man, it was really formatted well to just like nom 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 nom, just eat it all the way down and just be done with it in one fell swoop. I found it to be like really inspiring for like writing myself because like I don't know when I write I have I mean obviously everyone has their own unique style but when you get when you first start doing something you're not really doing your own style it's best even to like mimic other people and then kind of through learning what is good you can kind of then shape your relationship what is good doing that thing based off of what you've learned from other people and it was really inspiring to read her book because it was just so uniquely written that and I kind of write like that sometimes and I feel bad when I do write about it because I feel like no one's going to want to read this because it's just a little just different and uh, I just found it very inspiring I, I really liked it a lot I love it when I recommend something and you read it and you like it it's just it's just a, <laughs> such a cool feeling <laughs> it is like, equally cool to have it recommended and like it. Yeah, man, because it's that that's a, that particular book is like super important to me. Really? Uh, why? So I, it's, I mean, it's just um the this idea that something can be haunting you for your entire life, um, and your your attempts to avoid it, and and the kind of like unseen but maybe always known ways of combating it. And yeah, he has to do the hard thing. It's a very, very, and I don't even know if that's like what Le Guin was thinking when she wrote it, but that's just like how I interpreted it. So it's, it's equal. It doesn't change how important it is to me or anything. I think his former mentor even says at one point to him, like, you have to do the thing that you haven't done. Yep. It's really, really cool. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, and also like, uh, there are just some moments in that book that are very epic that it's like, like, I don't, I'm still trying not to spoil anything, but it's just like, you don't really expect it. And then all of a sudden you're just like, what the hell? Like, really? Like, is this what we're reading right now? Yeah. It's, it's very, very cool. Somehow the theme of friendship is like super deeply interwoven into that book, even though like, it's very much about one character, but there's like another specific character that kind of comes in and then comes in again later that totally somehow she just captured that friendship seed really well. Man, I wish that, I wish that she was still putting stuff out, but she put a lot. She put a lot of stuff out. <laughs> to be fair, there's a really? lot of Le Guin out there. Yeah, there's a lot to love out there for Le, Le I think Le I have Guin. like five of her books. Yeah, The Dispossessed is really good. Um, I have two copies of The Dispossessed. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's very long. It took me a while to read, and then I read Left Hand of Darkness when I was like 19, and I don't think I understood it. I was just like reading it because I thought it would make me look smart. Like yeah, that's how it started with Infinite like, Jest, too. Hey, look at me. Look at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look at me go. But wow, she was born in show. 1929. Dang. That's crazy. Surprisingly, you know, when you said that you had watched something, I've been way off my watching game. I have. This is how I work. I'm very much a batcher when it comes to content with the one exception of books. I'm always hitting books. But when it comes to like TV and movies, I tend to like get really and video games when I used to play them. I would get really into something for a very short period of time and then really never look back once I'm through with it. Uh, And it doesn't even mean that I'm like done with that thing necessarily. I can't tell you how many half animes that I've watched and I've been like, cool, that was a great 36 episodes and I'm done. So yeah, I uh, I just tend to batch things hard, and I haven't watched a movie or a show. I don't know, in a couple of weeks. I can't even remember the last time. I, oh, I watched uh, Onward. 
based oh, off yeah. your recommendation. Well, Man, you've been slaying your recommendations, my friend. Well, you know, sometimes you just don't really watch anything. It's totally cool. You're re- I mean, we're both reading quite a bit. There's a, there's a lot going on here. What's super special is when you said earlier and you're like, oh, Chad's going to love that. And I was like, oh, I love that voice. It is such a special thing to have not only you, my best friend, know what books I like, but like as best friend status, you should probably know and I should probably know what, books, what sort of books that you would like. But all of our listeners... Like, it's just so cool to have people that I've never met in person, like, know that I like sailing fantasy and send me, like, (laughs) a book and just be like, I just heard there was a sailboat or something in this. You're going to love it. All right. I think it's time to do the official fun fact, and then we can wrap it up. Fun fact. I'm glad we're doing these again. Uh, Me too. Thank you, everybody, for being patient with us while we did our little transition, moving around, doing some different stuff. We also have the Ask BRK channel in the activities category in the Discord. Ask us anything. Yeah, we'll answer questions. doesn't even have to be about books. Ask us whatever you want. As Evan and I are reading, especially in the the first quarter of this year, a lot of the same books, and we're not reading a lot of other things just because the books that we're reading are so heavy and involved. You know, we're trying to kind of shorten that section just so we don't bore you by like double dipping and talking about the same book twice a bunch of times. Like we're still going to do it, but just not as long of these episodes. And so if you have any questions, now is the time to go in there and ask. It really, really helps us out. And it's cool to make content that we know that you guys want because you're literally asking for it. So please go in there and do that. Yeah, I mean, I would be really happy with doing longer news segments and longer questions segments, longer fun fact segments, and kind of just different stuff. And then include in the Monday episode what we've been doing that week. But like Chad said, uh, it's probably not super thrilling to hear me talk about all the books I read and then uh, a few minutes later have Chad be like, I read all those same books. Here are my same thoughts that I had about those. (laughs) And we'll talk about it more in an episode later. But we're... And eventually... Me and Chad are going to be on like the sixth book of Malazan and like the eighth book of Throne of Glass. And, and four of you are going to be really. <laughs> anyway, all right. More so like the fun four thousand. Woo! Uh, so the fun fact here: we have uh, there was a Ten Commandments of Golden Age detective stories codified in 1929 by Ronald Knox, and according to Knox. A detective story must have its main interest, the unraveling of a mystery, a mystery whose elements are clearly presented to the reader at an early stage in the proceedings and whose nature is such as to arouse curiosity, a curiosity which is gratified at the end. And Knox's Ten Commandments or Decalogue are as follows. Number one, the criminal must be mentioned in the early part of the story, but must not be anyone whose thoughts the reader has been allowed to know. Ooh. Number two. All supernatural or preternatural agencies are ruled out as a matter of course. I really like the way he wrote that. He was like, of course, nothing supernatural. Like, if you're going to do a detective story, we're not we're not bringing angels into this. We're not like this is just here on this plane of existence. No detective of the gaps. I love it. Uh, number three. Not more than one secret room or passage is allowable. <laughs> I like how you can have one. That's cool. Right. <laughs> He's like, I know you guys want to do it. I know you need I feel that though. Secret two rooms. secret rooms. No, it's too many. It's too many. Like the uh, rumor the... requirement is pushing it because it changes into different ones. Yeah. You know, the like... rumor requirement is ridiculous. Don't even get me started. Like, <laughs> literally, don't get me started. Okay, so number four. No hitherto undiscovered poisons may be used, nor any appliance which will need a long scientific explanation at the end. I think that's an awesome rule because it's it's not quite Deus Ex Machina because it's like you could introduce a scientific situation at the beginning and not explain it. And then at the end, have it be the explanation for everything, but be super long and it would make it too convenient. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting rule that I would have never thought of. That's cool. Yeah. That is a really, really good rule. 
Also, a good here to for. I can't even say it properly, but whenever I read it, I'm always like, ooh, tasty. All right. So, number five kind of threw me for a loop for a second. Uh, I had to read the note that was attached to it because at first I was like, whoa, oh my God. Uh, but it says, number five, no Chinaman must figure in the story. And I was like, oh, wow, geez. that is really messed up. But then there's a note here. It says, the quote, no Chinaman rule was a reaction to and criticism of racial cliches prevalent in the 1920s English writing. Knox explained, quote, I see no reason in the nature of things why a Chinaman should spoil a detective story but as a matter of fact if you are turning over the pages of an unknown romance in a bookstore and come across some mention of the narrow slit like eyes of chin lu avoid that story it is bad so i think what he was trying to say is like that nomenclature or like that um there's a stereotype that, that racial stereotypical depiction was prevalent and so he didn't want that specific uh depiction in those books that was one of the commandments so yeah, like he had us in the in the in the beginning there, not gonna lie. Like he's actually trying to not be racist. Yeah, right. Wow. Not not be racist for the that time, yeah. Right. Sure. I mean, even up until the Pink Panthers, uh, you know, he has his little Chinaman like helper and he's like, You my little yellow man. It's like not very racially understanding. Uh no, so yeah, that's definitely a thing. Glad that's got the note there, because if it didn't have the note, I'd be like, This guy is the worst. Oh my god. Very uh, important note. All right, so number six is no accident must ever help the, de the detective, nor must he ever have an unaccountable intuition which proves to be right. That's pretty cool. That's That that makes a lot of sense because yeah. like stumbling into a coincidental solutions is to, like revealing boring. the secret passage because you knocked the art piece off the wall. Like, no, exactly. that's not solving the thing. Well, he's really laying it down to like, like in this escape room, you can't stumble your way to the solution. Like you really got to, he's got to be a smart detective. I love that. It kind of lines up with a, a rule of writing that I've read before, which is, oh my gosh, I hope I don't butcher this, but as a, as a wannabe writer myself, uh, it's that your characters it can get into danger due to coincidence, but they can't get out of danger due to coincidence. Oh, or, or else it's pointless. Right. I mean, you, you, uh, there has to be like it's perfectly reasonable for uh, certain events to make it so that your characters are in some kind of situation, but it's boring and it doesn't add anything if another coincidence gets them out of it. You okay. Know, like you want to see your characters uh, get through that kind of stuff. It's right. fine if they're in that situation. That's like the opposite of a plot-driven or of a character-driven story. It's like the character is not driving any of this. He's just blundering into things. So number seven, the detective himself must not commit the crime. Oh, so that, that rules out De Dexter. Oh, right, right. Breaking like, gotcha. Dun, dun, dun. Number eight, the detective is bound to declare any clues which he may discover. So, okay, I think I'm understanding this. So like, wait, anytime, wait, hit me with that one more time. The, de the detective is bound to declare any clues which he may discover. So I think, I don't know if that means that the book has to cover any clues and it can't be like something that they found off page. I guess, you know what I mean? Like, it can't be brought up later. I think it's trying to arm the reader with the same amount of information and clues that led the detective, that will ultimately lead the detective to the answer so that you, the reader, can also figure it sure. out should you have the wiles. Number nine, the sidekick of the detective, the Watson, must not conceal from the reader any thoughts which pass through his mind. His intelligence must be slightly, but very slightly below that of the average reader. 
Interesting. Yeah, I also was going to say the word interesting. Weird. I don't think I know enough about detective novels or, or like golden age mysteries to know exactly what the meaning of that rule is. I don't really like know I don't, if I know enough about the mind of the average reader to be able to read I guess, to write uh, yeah. slightly stupider than that. I don't really know. <laughs> Number it's 10. hard being so brilliant. <laughs> Number 10. This is a really specific one, the last one. It's funny because like... Absolutely no lizards. Like what? As specific <laughs> as it is, it, people must have been doing it a lot because this is a rule. Number 10. Twin brothers and doubles generally must not appear unless mm. we have been duly prepared for them. So, yeah, that's Cool fair. use of duly. <laughs> that's 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 totally fair totally totally yeah because like <laughs> i guess that's how like a lot of magic tricks are done like it was his twin yeah and that was the in the prestige too uh oh yeah i didn't spoil a 20 year old movie for everybody but <laughs> yeah dude uh, still gets yeah, me every time i watch it though what a cool movie what a great movie but yeah those are the those are the 10 commandments of 1920s and 30s detective fiction for everybody it's pretty cool i feel like the twin one was something that just like bugged him he was just like, man, I've seen this Seriously. so many times. Or maybe, that, maybe he hadn't seen it so many times, but you see it one time and you're like, nope, absolutely right, not. Like, nope, no one can ever do that. That's so stupid. Unless you've been duly prepared for them. So I, I think what he means by that is like... We've met the twin. Maybe, if we've, yeah, we know exactly uh, what the situation with the twins is. Totally, okay. I think that the... It's interesting to have these kinds of rules because, like, I wonder if Ronald Knox wrote it in a in a like intending for it to to be like this kind of you know because you say 10 commandments it carries with it a certain weight totally right? even if you're not a religious person it's like this these these rules cannot be broken and it's like well yeah but like with literature convention being broken creates co other conventions sometimes it's, totally, it's weird totally. how that works in art part like of the convention is breaking convention exactly so i wonder if i i, I have a feeling probably if more like the pirate's guy, code really <laughs> they're more like guidelines they're more like guidelines yeah but i wonder yeah, i wish ronald knox was still alive uh, it'd be interesting to talk to him and be like you know that people eventually we're going to do supernatural detective stories, right? Like we got Jim Butcher's Dresden Files, Dresden which Files, is breaking yeah. number. It's breaking number two easily. Totally. He lays out the fact that like magic exists already. So it's like we're in a magical world. So it's not really like sure, I, yeah. I feel like his rules and maybe he, you know, maybe I'm going too deep with this, but I no, feel I like it's like, right. I think you're on to something just here, to be yeah. like, aha, abracadabra magic. And you're like, totally. wait, that, you can't just answer that when we didn't even know magic was a thing, you know? Yeah. Or like even acts of God and stuff like the, you know what I mean? Like the, the totally. The literal like Deus Ex Machina kind of thing, like the that that really is just such a bummer for any story, not even just uh, detective stories. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen somebody in on Goodreads or Amazon or TikTok or, or Instagram be like, "Oh, and Whaley, you get a load of the Deus Ex Machina at the end of this book." Like, <laughs> wait till you get to the, the supernatural explanation that was never explained ever, but then everybody was totally fine. Like, everyone hates that. It's 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 a slap in the face. Uh, it's not, there's, there's no symmetry there. There's, there's no, um, there's nothing there for you. It's there's cheap. no callbacks. Yeah. It's cheap. That's a good way of putting it. It's um, not even like hard to make up one because you can literally miracle your way into solutions. The, the rule that I'm the most interested here though, in is, is number three, which is not more than one secret room or passage <laughs> is, a, is allowable because what if you're in a castle? 
they're riddled. <laughs> it's like a war and like a cheese grid. It's like ch- cheddar cheese. There's so many holes and, and secret passageways going through a castle. Yeah. And like secret rooms and passages are so interesting. Like, and yeah. what is a secret passage? Like, like it, not to be like the, the, the worst person ever in this conversation right now, but like if a passage uh, has a door and then you go through the door. Is that another passage? Right, right. You know what I mean? If or is it that branches all one out, big passage? It's like, yeah, like, totally. It's like like my my cheese example that I just gave. Like what, they're all connected. So is that one <laughs> like huge warren of secret passageway? I don't know. I don't know. But you know, uh, I don't write detective uh, fiction, and I also don't live in the 1920s. So I'm not yeah. super worried about this. But it is really interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder how popular these were back then. I don't know because uh, the only old like detective style like mystery stories that i read from even close to that time period or sherlock holmes stuff you know who breaks quite a bit of these rules and i know it's not a detective story but uh just uh just kind of throwing this out there is uh old john gwynn first off we have got a secret tunnel in every <laughs> there's so many secret it's, tunnels our our, yeah. our heroes would have died seven times, many times at least many times, yeah. if not for secret tunnels exiting under every if it's giant built their secret tunnels that will lead our characters to safety at some point during those books uh and then also i feel like there's some like miracles yeah there's some definite accidents that there, i can <laughs> yeah. think of one actually specific we're talking about faithful in the fall and everybody for anybody that's listening uh, uh you know cool series there is definitely one part that breaks uh number six the no yeah. accident must ever help the de- the detective <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's, there's definitely we laugh pretty major hard major accidents <laughs> Um, anyway, Dude, that's there's a, some huge accidents. Like uh, I won't, I won't give anything away. But yeah, there's some funny accidents. Just stumbling across stuff in a swamp, covered in mud. <laughs> anyway, folks, that's gonna do it here today for us on the Monday morning episode. Thank you so much for listening to this. Good list, man. That was fun. Yeah, what a, we had a couple lists in here. And like I said, uh, Chad and I are going to get a little uh, ramblier on either side of the kind of weekly roundup thing that we're doing just because we're kind of reading a lot of the same stuff right now. But we get more creative uh, if, with their content. Yeah, I like talking to you. Yeah, I like talking I to talk you. Yeah. I like being listened to by you. I do try to listen the best I can. I was talking about everyone else. You're a terrible listener. Oh, oh, okay. no, yeah. no, I'm just no. kidding. You're a great listener. <laughs> I like my voice more than your voice, obviously. Oh, dude, I feel the same. I know. About yeah, my voice. Crazy. <laughs> not mine what about mine oh your voice oh is gosh. great yeah oh. i feel like it's like the uh um, oh goodness the ying to my yang the yang to my ying you know the totally. yeah the bobby it's to my yin. whitney it's yin is it yin yeah yin and yang is it yan yang like just... so the ying the ying gets a yin a hard n and the other one gets the g still so it's yeah. yin and yang yeah oh yin it's and not yin. it's okay, not it's not yin right. and yang I always thought it was yin yang, yin yang. Now I sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> now when I say it, it sounds like when I, when I, someone dude, says I mean, monsters, as, the as monsters. Silly, it's not scary. as silly as monsters. you think you sound. Like I'm, I sound worse because I corrected you when I didn't need to. So no, dude, I'm glad you did. My rule has always oh, been really? sound like an idiot now, and then later <laughs> you'll sound smart. Unfortunately, that never happens because you're always like busy sounding like an idiot. But like, man, life is full of mysteries. Go get after them, you know. Learn stuff. Learn stuff. All right. Speaking of learning stuff, I need to go read. We have a lot of reading to do. We have a lot of episodes to do. Uh, Cool. Everybody, again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.